Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. You know, when the Lord Jesus Christ was born into this world, it was the first time that men and women like you and me could physically see and touch him. The Apostle John spoke about how he and the other disciples actually handled the Lord. That is, he was right there before them in a physical, tangible body. They were able to experience him in the here and now as much as they did each other. What an amazing fact! In today's broadcast, Speaker Marvin Dirksen looks at the different ways that Christ was treated here on earth. Some held him with hands of love and tenderness, as his mother Mary did. Others as a fellow companion on the road, in their houses, on their boats, in the countryside. Sadly, he was also handled deceitfully by a betrayer, and cruelly by wicked soldiers who abused and killed him. But, you know, we all have a choice as to how we handle him, even today. I could ask this question of our listeners. How do you handle Christ? There are many ways you could answer that question. Let's listen to what Mr. Dirksen has to say. He says, The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. So it's not God's problem tonight that you're not saved. You're not out of his reach. You're not beyond him. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. His ear is not heavy that he cannot hear. And sometimes, as believers, we speak about the skillfulness of the shepherd's hand. Psalm 78, he guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. So that's a great shepherd, a great God. And of course, I need to remind you before we read that our very breath, our very breath is in his hand. Don't forget that. Your breath is in his hand tonight. Genesis chapter 2, and for sake of time, we'll just read verse number 7. And the Lord God formed. Now, the margin says formed as a potter. And so that's where I'm going to take the illustration of the hand. It was a hands-on potter, a sculptor. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into man's nostrils, into his nostrils, the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Now go on to the book of the Psalms, Psalm 88, and we'll look at verse number four. I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that hath no strength, free among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, whom thou rememberest no more, and they are cut off from thy hand. Thou hast laid me, there is his hand, thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the deeps. Thy wrath lieth hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves. Isaiah 53 in verse number 5. And as we read this, I want to ask you a question. Who is doing the wounding in this verse? Isaiah 53 and verse number 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of the punishment so that we could have peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. 
we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 1. John is writing now about the Lord Jesus. 1 John 1 and 1, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. Notice this. And our hands have handled. The handled Christ is what John is writing about. Finally, Revelation chapter 20, in the very last verse in that chapter, to me one of the most solemn verses in the Bible. Revelation 20 and verse number 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast, there's the hands, was cast into the lake of fire. Interesting that John is writing about this wonderful Savior. He said, we heard him, and then we saw him. And then we looked on him. The idea there is we scrutinized him. And I think it's just the idea of a jeweler taking a gem, putting on special glasses and turning that jewel around to, to look at it very intently, to scrutinize, to, to try and examine every facet, every detail of that diamond. That's what John said. We looked upon him. And then he adds, and our hands have handled. That's an amazing thing. An amazing thing. Our hands have handled the word of life. You know, we've been trying to present the Lord Jesus in his wonderful visitation. That the word became flesh and pitched his tent, tabernacled among us, dwelt among us. The word is tabernacle, so I just say pitched his tent in our backyard. He didn't stand at a distance from us. And we understand as we look at the scriptures and even from what we have read up tonight, that the God of heaven is not someone who has made this world and then kind of turned his back and said, well, I sure hope they do all right. That's not the God of the Bible. The focus of heaven is this small planet of ours called earth. And the focus of the very eye of God is upon individuals in this world. So let me tell you, you are not an accident. You are on the radar screen of the almighty God. His interest is in you. His concern is toward you. His love has been expressed in its fullness. And he has done a tremendous work because he wants you, me, yes, you, to be with him forever. That's a wonderful God to be able to present, to even know. And so we have read tonight in Genesis chapter 2. I know the word hand is not there, but I think you can see it. That there was a moment when God looked at what he had made and evolution speaks about the missing link. Well, at that point, God realized there was a missing element. He'd made the heavens. He'd made all the animals. He had divided the sea and brought the dry land into view. But there was no one, there was no one that would be able to share fellowship and communion with his heart. The missing element. And so we have read that there was a moment when the mighty creator, the mighty creator took the dust. Well, I think it was clay. And he formed man as a potter, as someone working at a wheel with clay. And it must have been an amazing thing to watch the omnipotent God working with clay. To me, Genesis chapter 2 is just another reminder of the majesty, the majesty of creation. It makes us aware that there was clay in the hands of the Creator. Clay in the hands of the Creator. And while no one saw it, no one had the iPhone there, 
What an amazing thing it must have been to watch this clay structure coming together. The head, form, placed there. Then all the fingers, five in each hand, and they were attached. And then there were two ears that were put on the inside of this form. And the eye sockets were chiseled out. And the lips were formed. Finally, God's work as potter was finished. But there was no life. And so the Almighty God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Do you believe that? Or do you think we just happened? I think it takes a lot more faith to believe evolution than it does to believe Genesis 2. Because the more you look at man, the intricacies of the body. Now, I'm not a scientist and I'm not a medical man. You can talk to some of the doctors here. But you don't have to be a doctor to be amazed at the intricacies of the human body. And then you go into the stellar heavens and then you go down into the depths of the sea and the farther you go, both ways, you'll be astounded, amazed at the majesty of the creation of God. David was looking up one day and he says, you know, when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? So there was a moment when the omnipotent God and the mighty creator had clay in his hands and formed a man. To be able to know him and to respond to him and to love him and to be with him for all eternity. That's why God made us. That's why God has his eye on you. He has a personal interest in every single individual. The Bible says how wonderful it is. God is not willing that any should perish. Not one person. So we're able to tell this audience, and regardless of who comes into the doors of this auditorium, we're able to tell that individual that God is interested in them because we're part of his vast, majestic creation. But God did something else, and this is the very heart of this message of good news, the gospel message, that God just didn't make this world, but God into the person of his beloved son entered this world by way of the Virgin Mary. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest. God was revealed in flesh. You know what that means? It means that the mighty creator actually stepped into his own creation. You say, I don't understand that. I don't either, but I believe it. That there was a moment when the Word became flesh. When Mary held her firstborn child in her arms, she was looking at, yes, it was her son, but oh, far more it was her Savior, the mighty Creator Himself. And John writes these words, our very hands have handled. Now, none of us, none of us would be called upon to handle Christ physically. We're not talking about that tonight. But I just want to focus for you the tremendous truth that the Savior was found in the hands of sinners, of individuals. Our hands have handled. And tonight you're handling Christ in a very personal way. You have done something with him. Not by way of physical hands, but the response of your life has either embraced him, and tonight you love him, or without even saying a word, you've said, don't see any value in him. I'm not going to receive him. And you've chosen to live your life without God's Son, without God's salvation. That's the way people respond today. Because you see, our response to the Word, our response to the Gospel, is ultimately our response to Jesus Christ himself. Our hands have handled, 
I was thinking that there was the first hands that handled him, of course, were very likely Mary. Mary. Joseph may have helped in the delivery. It was a perfectly normal delivery. But Mary held her firstborn child. How did she handle him? Ah, I think in the warmth of her affections. You see, this baby meant everything to her. You can read her song in Luke chapter 1. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. What a moment for her. What a moment for this world. Her hands handled the word of life and the warmth of her affections. There was another man. His name was Simeon. And I've always pictured him to be an old man. We're not told his age, are we? But you recall that Simeon was waiting in the temple. It had been revealed to him that he was not going to die, and that's where I get the old aspect. He was not going to die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And one day, one day, this couple came in, Mary holding baby Jesus. And I can just see this man, I don't know, big man, small man, but he must have gone over and he said, could I, could I hold that baby? And he took that wee babe in his arms, in his hands. And my picture is simply this. He must have looked up to heaven. He says, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace. According to thy word, mine eyes, mine eyes are seeing thy salvation. How did he handle Christ in the worship of his heart? This was the moment he was waiting for. He was holding his Savior in his hands. He'd live for that moment. He would never forget that moment. But not just the moment, he would never forget the matchless person that he had actually held. Our hands have handled. Have you ever taken Christ to yourself and worshipped him? Lord Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. My rock and my fortress, my surety divine. That's what salvation is all about. Handling Christ personally, appreciating him. There was another man, John the Baptist. And one day he was baptizing people. And then it happened. There was a man that was walking out to where he was in the Jordan River. And John knew who he was, the Lamb of God. And he says, really, look, this shouldn't happen. I should be baptized by you. The Lord says, no, no, allow it to fulfill all righteousness. And John handled Christ in the waters of baptism, put him down and brought him up. There were others that handled Christ. Judas and in the darkness of that garden night, Judas stepped into the torchlight. He likely put his hand on the shoulder of the Lord Jesus and kissed him. Kissed him repeatedly from what we understand. It was the sign of betrayal. He had 30 pieces of silver in his pocket. And he handled him in the wickedness, the wickedness of betrayal. There were soldiers that handled Christ in the waywardness of their cruelty. To think that people would come along and would actually slap the face of God incarnate. To think that it actually spit into his face. They'd mock and they'd taunt him. Our hands have handled him. Of course, there were Jews and they handled him in the willfulness of their rejection. So the question tonight is, how have you handled Christ? What's your response been? Because you see, when we speak about the Savior in the hands of sinners, we're talking about the magnitude of response. The magnitude of response. What you do with Christ, what you do with the Savior, 
what you do with him will determine where you will be forever. You can be a member of any and every church. My dear friend, that will not, that will not fit you for heaven. You can sing all the hymns you want and read all the Bible passages that you can and try and live a very good life. But it's what you do with Christ that determines where you'll be. There were moments when the Savior was in the hands of sinners and in a very, in a very real way tonight, not physically, but in a real way. It's as if Christ is in your hands, and you're going to make a response. You're going to make a choice as to what you do with this Savior. You can say, no, I'm not interested. Not now, anyway. And by your body language and by your response, you can go out that door. You can just say, no, no Christ for me. You see, that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. You're respectful. You've listened well. You sing the hymns. But you're making choices night after night to live and ultimately to die without Christ. Our hands have handled. But we've come to Calvary tonight very quickly. And we've read about the sin bearer, the sin bearer in the hands of a righteous God. I asked you when we read Isaiah 53, who is doing the wounding? Remember the verse? He was wounded. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment for our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, with the stroke, we are healed. Let me ask you, who's doing the wounding? Who's doing the bruising? In Isaiah 53 and 5. Oh, you see, that's what the soldiers did. That's what the Jewish nation did. Well, they did do that. But not in verse 5. Not in verse 5. Because, you see, verse 5 takes us to the dark hours of Calvary. There were sufferings in the daylight, but now there's the night scene. For three hours the sun was veiled, refused to shine, as the expression goes. In those hours of darkness, the hands of a sin-hating, righteous God moved against the sin-bearer. And Isaiah writes these words, he was wounded, wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And Isaiah writes, and he must have wondered these words, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That's Calvary. That's the cross. That's the suffering of the sin bearer. But we're not left to try to figure out for who that was done. Oh, it was for our transgressions. It was for our sins, our iniquities, and the love and the grace of God has willingly moved toward a man that never sinned and punished him instead of me. You know what I discovered? The truth of Isaiah 53 and 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Here it is. And the Lord laid on him the sin of us all. See the picture of the hands? At Calvary, God took my sins. I'm using my hands. Some of those preachers use their hands to help them preach, but the Lord took my sins and placed them on the sinless, spotless Lamb of God and punished him instead of me. Is that salvation? Yes, yes. A substitute was found. A price was paid. And in that moment of moments, in that 
and I don't know what time of night it was. For the first time, I understood that Calvary was all for me. He loved me. He gave himself for me. And God is satisfied. The sin bearer in the hands of a righteous God. What awful suffering. What a tremendous, what a tremendous work. What a wonderful substitute. I wonder, would you thank him tonight for the first time? Would you receive him? Because we have read that very solemn verse. Don't miss it. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast, cast into the lake of fire. That is awful, but it's true. The idea of cast is, is a forceful thing, isn't it? That a God who desires that you would be saved, who's paid the ultimate sacrifice and given everything, he'll have to take individuals that have said no to Christ. And the Bible says, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I trust tonight you'll receive Christ. Take him as your own. Be able to say, thank God, he loved me and gave himself for me. So how about it? Will you reach out your hand and receive Christ as your own? Will you handle him with reverence, adoration, and gratitude? Will you let the Savior come alongside and rescue you from your sins? We hope that you do. Remember, to delay is no better than total rejection. Don't raise your hands to keep him out of your life any longer. Let him save you today, won't you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you would like some literature that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. Our Anchor Point messages are also available for listening and download at anchorpointradio.com. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul. <laughs>